Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Well, good morning. A little, uh, one little update here at the opening of the hour. Um, hey, if you want to hear the commentary on Luke 11, which we're reading today as a part of our Advent reading, Luke 11 on December the 11th, uh, go back and, and grab the podcast from the first hour. That's what I did in the open um, uh, an hour ago. So there you go. You can always get the podcast at MyFaithRadio.com or on the Faith Radio app. Really, really easy to um, check out what's happening in, in every hour, every day, and scroll around and listen. Okay, uh, here's an, a local update for those of you who live in the Twin Cities. While violent crime reaches historic rates, the Minneapolis City Council voted unanimously to shift an additional $8 million from the police budget, redirecting monies in 2020 to other city services in an effort to, quote, transform policing. Uh, it is notable to me that scores of police officers have already left the force uh, this year. And that not only crime, but violent crime um, is at really quite historic rates. And so uh, although we all recognize the need to change the way things are happening in terms of the treatment of individual people and particular communities, uh, defunding the police is probably not the route to that if we actually want our communities to be livable and safe for everyone. Um, and the mayor is, uh, the article says, expected to codify the council's action. All right. Um, this next piece, it's actually strange to call this good news. But on the cultural front, in the days in which we live, this is strangely good news. So uh, put this in the strangely good news category. MasterCard and Visa have both, both announced that they will not allow their cards to be used on Pornhub. You say to yourself, uh, okay. Um, Pornhub is a a huge, and when I say huge, huge website that is a uh, collector and then redistributor of pornography, oftentimes of people who are um, uh, not doing it, uh, not participating of their own volition, and many, many, many of them grossly underage. MasterCard said that it was not going to allow its cards to be used any longer on Pornhub. It has by the way, for a very long time, up until now, allowed its card to be used on Pornhub to the tune of billions and billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars. Uh, MasterCard is now saying that due to, quote, violations of our standards prohibiting unlawful content on the site, they're not allowing MasterCard users to use uh, MasterCard to pay for things on Pornhub. A story over the weekend uh, exposed the truth about Pornhub and the exploitation of children there through pornography. And so that's a it, it's a strange good news story for the day, but it uh, is in the days in which we live, uh, the good news is often quite strange. Time has announced their person of the year, but it's not a person. It's two people. Just, you know, in case things weren't confusing enough in the culture, Time's person of the year is two people, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Um, and I want to skip that and actually talk about Time naming a kid of the year for the first time. 
So Time has a kid of the year, 15-year-old girl, and um, man, if the future is, uh, if if you can forecast the future based on um, one 15-year-old kid and the way that she not only sees the world but sees her role in it, um, this is a cover story, Time Kid of the Year, that you're going to want to want to you are going to want to read. So, Times Kid of the Year, chosen from a list of thousands of amazing kids across the country and around the world, working to change the world in which we live. So, uh, at 10 years old, um, this young woman uh, created a lead detection tool in order to learn more about the crisis, the water crisis in Flint, Michigan. She then went on to to develop an app that helps diagnose early stage prescription opioid addiction and a tool that can thwart cyber bullying. Uh, that, that tool is called Kindly. The Kindly app uh, spots and prevents cyber bully, bullying using artificial intelligence and machine learning to identify words and phrases online that could be considered bullying. She said she built it. She she built a self-learning algorithm that can pick up on the latest slang, emojis, and memes. And if you don't know what emojis and memes are, then see that's why you need the Kindly app uh, to help you spot cyberbullying because people are cyberbullying today in ways that you and I do not even understand. All right, there's good news out there um, if we are willing to look for it and find it. Adam Holtz is up next from Focus on the Family's Plugged In. We are going to review the movies coming out this weekend. Families plugged in. You can find everything we're talking about today at pluggedin.com. Adam, welcome back. Good morning, Carmen. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Um, so I am logged on to pluggedin.com. I see a number of movie reviews. Um, yeah. We've got Wild Mountain Time, Safety, Wolf Walkers, The Last Champion. I mean, on and on and on. So let's um let's jump in with Last Champion. Yeah, that's a good place to start. This is an independent Christian movie that came out this week, <clears throat> and you can download it if you are interested. I think it's three ninety nine on Amazon Prime, and this is uh, this is an interesting film. It's unlike most of the Christian films I've seen over the years, and it almost feels like two movies. It's the story of a guy who was an Olympic gold medalist champion. His name is John Wright. He's played, <clears throat> excuse me, he's played by Cole Hauser, who is a actor you may have seen in productions like Yellowstone. He's been in a bunch of stuff. And he uh, had his medals stripped of him because of uh, performance-hancing drugs that they found out about after the fact. He has come from a little town called Garfield, Washington. And, uh, of course, he was the, the hero Mm-hmm. And now he is the goat, and not the goat in terms of greatest of all time, but more like scapegoat. And he comes back to town because his mom has died, and he needs to sell her farm. And uh, he gets a, a really, really chilly welcome from everybody, that is, except his former wrestling coach, high school wrestling coach, uh, an old flame that he reconnects with, who happens to be the daughter of a local pastor who's a really good guy. And Together, they kind of relate and, and love him, really, 
into a place of redemption and, and forgiveness and being willing to forgive himself for the mistakes that he made. And in the process, he becomes the high school coach for the wrestling team. And there's a struggling kid there. Uh, and it's a, uh, and then it turns into sort of your standard issue, uh, sports redemption story. So think Hoosiers. It really reminded me of the karate kid. Excuse me. I am really cruddy this morning. Um, and so the first half of the movie was like one of the most subtle, slow-moving, character-driven Christian movies I think I've ever seen. And the second half shifts into, I think, a more familiar template in terms of the underdog sports movie. So a couple of profanities. There's one scene where some high schoolers jump another kid and just beat him within an inch of his life. That that scene earns this movie its PG-13. But I think, you know, for teens on up, this could be a conversation starter about identity, about forgiveness. Uh, and it's as Christian movies go, it's a pretty good movie. All right. Let's um, let's talk about Wolf Walkers. This uh, I will tell you that the um, the pictures of the animation intrigue me. Yeah. You know, Wolf Walkers is a wolf of a different color, if I can appropriate that saying in that way. This is a really interesting animated film. It's old school animation in that it's hand drawn, you know, the way Mm. pretty much everything was up until about the mid 90s when Toy Story came along and CGI revolutionized how we make animated movies. Um, This is a story set in Ireland in the 1700s, and it's a story of a small town and the devout Catholic Christians who live there, and they're pretty much their ongoing war against the wolves who live in a nearby forest. Now, in this case, uh, they're also a, a sort of transitory category of character called a wolf walker, which are people who can shift back and forth between being wolves and being humans. And as you might suspect, that leads to all sorts of interesting things <laughs> happening. But the core of the story has to do with a wolf walker girl who gets to know a human girl who is new in town and how they sort of bridge the gap between these two warring groups. Now, that's all fine and well and good as far as it goes. Where things drift a little bit off the rails here is that <clears throat> the wolves are are very much a pagan sort of spirituality. There's magic. They're depicted as wondrous and good. It's kind of a hagiography hey for wolves, right? Because wolves usually get the short end of the stick in movies. This sort of tries to reverse that. The townspeople, on the other hand, are just kind of evil, angry, wicked, and want to kill the wolves, especially the leader in the town, the Lord Protector. Pretty much has it in for the wolves and unfortunately carts all sorts of Christian imagery and language into killing the wolves and burning down the forest. So mm. it's not it's not subtle in its worldview. Christian's bad, pagan's good. Um, I think having said that, if you're prepared to have a conversation about worldview – this is a pretty great case study in how worldview can get worked out in the context of a story. So um, interesting movie. It's really well done. It will likely be on the short list for best picture for animated movies right up there with Soul, which we'll talk about in a couple of weeks. Um, but some pretty big worldview problems here, Carmen. Yeah, absolutely. All right. I want to talk about safety, but we got to take a very, very brief break. I'm talking with Adam Holtz from Focus on the Family's Plugged In. You can find the reviews we're discussing today at PluggedIn.com. We'll be right back. I'm of a 
All right, continue my conversation with Adam Holtz from Focus on the Families Plugged In. Adam, tell us about the movie Safety. Safety is a football drama that is now streaming on Disney Plus, and it, in some really broad strokes, it reminds me uh, a lot of The Blind Side. This is based on a true story uh, of Ray. McElrathby, which is a mouthful to say, which is probably why all of his friends nicknamed him Ray Ray. And Ray Ray is going to Clemson University. And uh, just about the time he's getting into practice as a freshman, uh, he finds out that his mom, who is an alcoholic, uh, is being basically locked up for 30 days. And his little brother, who I think is 10 or 11, uh, <clears throat> is basically on his own. And Ray Ray surreptitiously sort of adopts him. And his, his brother uh, is Faye Mar, and they just call him Faye. So Faye and Ray Ray. Um, and so he smuggles his 11-year-old brother into his dorm room at Clemson. A few people on the team are in on it. Uh, and then more and more people on the team learn about it. And, and even though it is obviously technically a violation of school policy, the fun thing about this story is is seeing more and more people rally around Ray Ray, who uh, essentially adopts his brother uh, so that he can give his brother the stability that he needs. Um, this is a terrific story. I mean, honestly, if you want a feel-good story this weekend and you like football, uh, this one gets the job done. Um, there's not much content at all, just a, a tiny bit of profanity. Um, and obviously we learn about his mother's addiction. That's sort of the, the real world issue here. And there's some football crunching too, but, um, this is a great movie, a uh, great option. All right. I love that. Okay. So, um, I have a question for you that's not on our list and that is, um, is there any chance that you have read Rod Dreher's live not by lies? I have not. Okay. So but I'm, tell, I'm, but tell me about it. Cause yeah, I love so I'm gonna, well, I, I have him. He's up next. He's actually up next. He's the next conversation we're going to have here. And the reason that I wanted to ask you the question um, is because one of the things that Rod talks about in the book um, is how watching movies together, not only as a family, but watching movies together in community with other Christians and their families generationally, like having some um, having some little dissident group meetings at our homes where one of the things that we do is watch a movie together and do what we, you and I talk about doing here, which is be prepared to have the worldview conversations. So yeah. what would it look like for not just one family to sit down and watch Wolf Walkers? Wolf, was that I got the title right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's correct. Wolf Walkers together and obviously point out, um, you know, be, be prepared to have a conversation at the end about how the Christian worldview is presented, how paganism is presented, um, how animals are anthropomorphized, how people are, right. um, yeah, n not exalted. Um, I mean, on and on and on. Like, what does and what does that look like for? I mean, literally, what does it look like? How has animation changed? How are things represented in art? Like, there's tons of conversations that we could have. Um, not every parent is prepared to have that kind of conversation and not every kid is ready to listen to their parent but they would be ready to listen to um adam or carmen and so adam and carmen need to invite small groups into our homes and we need to begin demonstrating to other families how this is done um so uh i mean that's actually not like a, a huge point 
in in Rod's new book, this manual for Christian dissidents called Live Not by Lies. But it's in there. It's a it's a part of the conversation. I mean, he's looking back to um, pre-communist countries and he's talking with people who remember what it was like prior to the domination of their communities by communism. And he's talking about how the soil in America, it, it, these people, not not Dreer, but these people who remember what it was like in pre-communist communities, they um, they see all of the evidence of the cultural soil being to- being uh, being tilled now and prepared um, for soft totalitarianism. Not communism yeah. per se, but soft totalitarianism. Anyway, super, super duper interesting book. I absolutely wanted to commend it to you. You're always recommending things to me. And I thought, hey, every once in a while, I need to recommend something to Adam. Yeah, no, that I would love to dig in on that. And <clears throat> here's what I love. <clears throat> Man, tough okay. morning. <laughs> here's what I love about that idea. It takes what we often talk about and it puts it in a bigger community context. Mm-hmm. And I think that one of the ways that entertainment works on us, it works on us emotionally. And it works on us because we have emotional connections to characters. And when we have emotional identification with a character, we are much more likely to be open to their worldview. And one of the big examples of that, back in 2012, then Vice President Joe Biden said, and I'm paraphrasing, that Will and Grace did more to pave the way for the mainstreaming of homosexuality in America than any other factor uh, because we loved Will as a character. And so I think that what you're talking about, it enables us to sort of take a step back and really dig into where are we invited to relate emotionally to characters who actually are embracing lies. Uh, And that, I think, it gives us a chance to practice critical thinking and to learn to step past the emotional connection to really evaluating something on the basis of truth as opposed to our culture's idea, which is emotions are truth. I mean, that's mm-hmm. where we're at today is whatever you feel is true. Never mind that it doesn't take long to poke a philosophical hole in that argument. Um, but that's where we're at emotionally is that what you feel is true. And that's that's a primary worldview component that we're working against uh, as Christians and that shows up in Hollywood all the time. So um, I, I'm going to I'm going to pitch an idea to you. I think you should reach out to Rod and with focus on the family, you guys should produce like some tools for people to use in these dissident groups that he's advocating we start forming. Well, and we have done something similar to that in the past called movie nights, but I like mm-hmm. the spin that you have on this. So mm-hmm. I will, uh, I'm going to make a note of that. Okay. It's a great idea. Because, you know, I'm not anything if not a person who likes other, who likes the people who I like to meet each other and do stuff together. So there you go. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Hey, we, um, we love talking with you. Thank you so much um, for joining us. Um, do uh, this might be the, this is, is this the last time we talk before Christmas or do we, are, I think are we together so. yeah, next that's, week? That's, no, that's Are you on no, next no, week? No, on, he's going to be back next yeah, week. You're, you're going to be oh, back, we're back next week. week. Yeah. Paul bad, says you're bad. back next week. You better be, buddy. You can't, you... <laughs> you can't skip. You can't skip. We've got you lined up for next week. My voice will be better by next week. Well, and we could just talk about uh, favorite Christmas movies if you want to. Like, you know, oh we're going to need a mo- we're gonna need a movie a day for the 12 days of Christmas or something. All right. Adam Holtz, as always, thank you so much. You guys can read the reviews we discussed today at Plugged In. 
Facebook.com. Lots of other great content there posted as well. We'll be right back. What do you live by? Do you live by truth or do you live by lies? Um, We have talked frequently here about the demand, um, the demand of the culture today that we actively participate and promote delusion, that we, that we agree um, that what is not true is true, that we participate in the lies, total fabrications that um, people promote. And so when I say that, um, I am having a conversation with you often about um, people being confused about their own bodies, confused about the right ordering of human relationships. But the conversations go much deeper and broader than that. We are talking about the redefinition of words and images. We are talking about uh, the realignment of institutions and... Because of the advances in technology, we are now also talking about the ways in which we are giving information, not only to the government, but to other global actors, um, through devices that we have welcomed into our own homes, like uh, Alexa and uh, and Google Home. So we're going to have all of the, that constellation of conversations with author Rod Dreher. You know him from the American Conservative. You know him from the Benedict Option You are going to now know him as the author of Live Not By Lies and how it changes our lives and our life together. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Would you like to see God? Take a look at Jesus. This is Max Locato. Hebrews 1.3 says, Jesus radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. In John 14.9, Jesus himself said, Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Anyone who has seen me weep has seen the Father weep. Anyone who has seen me laugh has seen the Father laugh. Anyone who has seen me determined has seen the Father determined. Everything changes when we see the face of God. He came with tears, too. He knows the burden of a broken heart. He knows the sorrow life can bring. He could have come as a shining light or a voice in the clouds, but he came as a person. Does God understand you? Look into God's face and be assured. Find the answer in Bethlehem. Joining me now, Rod Dreher, in, um, in order to dissuade you from one lie you have begun to believe, his name is not pronounced Dreher, it's pronounced Dreher, and, uh, and I have Rod Dreher with me now. You can follow him on Twitter, at Rod Dreher. You can find him online, where his blog uh, lives at theamericanconservative.com. Rod, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. It's great to be here, and I have to tell you, Carmen, I'll answer to anything, yeah, I know. I but I have I have heard you say your own name, and I figure we should pronounce it as you do. <laughs> okay, thank you very much. Absolutely. Okay, I want to start with the title of the book. The title of the book is "Live Not by Lies." Um, so let's start uh, with the title. Who whom are you quoting when you say to Christians today, "Live not by lies"? 
I'm quoting Alexander Solzhenitsyn. He was probably the greatest dissident of the Soviet period. He was thrown out of the Soviet Union in 1974 for being a dissident against communism. And he was a Christian. He wrote famously the Gulag Archipelago, exposing the underworld of the Soviet labor camps. But uh, he also wrote, just before they threw him out in 1974, an essay to his followers in Russia telling them that, look, we can't overturn this totalitarian government, but one thing we can do is refuse to give them the satisfaction of thinking that we agree with them. So he told them, live not by lies. Whenever you see a lie in this country, stand up walk out, do not allow yourself to be a collaborator with this regime of lies. So that takes some um, moral courage. I mean, I think that one of the one of the things that stands out to me in the book is the requirement of of moral courage. Um, This is a book that is uh, a lot of stories of people whom you came to know after one old woman uh, made what seemed at the time a pretty crazy declaration. So tell people sort of how this all started for you, and then um, and then I want you to share some of the stories of the people you met along the way. Sure. Uh, I got a call back in 2015 from a doctor in Minnesota. Uh, he said, sir, I've got to tell somebody this. You're a journalist, so I'm going to tell you. My mother, he said, is very old, lives with me and my wife. When she was young, before she came to America, she was born in Czechoslovakia, and she spent four years in a communist prison camp for practicing her Christian faith. She's now telling me and my wife that the things she sees happening in America today remind her of what things were like when the communists first came to power. Well, I thought that was pretty crazy. I thought maybe the old lady is just, she's gotten really old. She watches a lot of cable news and is kind of frightened. But Carmen, I made it my business over the next few years as I would travel around the country, if I would meet somebody who had grown up in the Soviet bloc, I would put the question to them. uh, Does the things that are happening in America now remind you of what you left behind? Every single person said yes. And if you push them further, they'll get really angry that Americans just don't believe them. Americans think it can't happen here. Their message is it absolutely can. Okay, so when you say that, see, when you make that statement, it could happen here. There are just a lot of people who are like, okay, that that guy is just, you know, he's a pepper picker. He's just, um, you know, he's just always looking for the dark clouds and the and the ominous threat. Um, you're not the one who sees necessarily the dark clouds and the ominous threat. This book is about reading the signs of the times, um, and it's about the the witness and testimony of other people who can now look back on their own experience and say. Um, this is actually very, very similar. Talk about the um, the cultural realities, the trends um, in pre-Soviet, pre-communist um, communities that are very similar, that are duplicated today. And then we have to talk about the fact that we're not necessarily talking about, you know, being overcome by communism. We're talking about being overcome by soft totalitarianism. I know that's a lot to talk about, Rod, but I know you're prepared to do it. <laughs> Yeah, well, in my book, I talk about what Hannah Arendt, who is one of the great political theorists of the 20th century, what she said in her great study of what happened in Nazi Germany and what happened in Soviet Russia, about how totalitarianism took those countries over, two very different kinds of totalitarianism, but still totalitarianism, which is a a system that control political system that controls all of life. 
And the main problem, she said, the main factor was mass loneliness and alienation. People who are lonely, who are disconnected, who don't have a connection to a church or to any civic organizations or even to their own history, they're sitting ducks for somebody who comes along and says, I can fix it. I'll give you what you want. I'll give you a sense of meaning and purpose if you just follow me. Uh, another thing that she saw is when people uh, quit believing in truth, when they believe in things that make them feel good and, and actively don't care about truth. We see this all the time in our society. There are other things like that that make you, when you start reading Arendt, who wrote her book in, I think, 1951, and you start realizing, my gosh, this is us. This is what we are a people who prefer ideology to truth now. And it's not just on the left. It's mostly on the left. I wrote a book about the left, but we're seeing this on the right, too. Yeah. So preferring um, ideology to truth, I, I, I was really struck by the way um, that you describe um, how neighbors, right, can turn against one another um, because they are identified with a particular group, the group um, identification part of this, I think is really critical because I, I just see a lot of that today. It's less about my neighbors and my neighborhood, and it's more about which particular sign um, you might put in your yard or uh, or which particular holiday you might decorate uh, for. So can you just talk about that a little bit, how we have migrated from understanding one another as individuals uniquely created, uh, you know, as image bearers of the living God and very distinct and, and yes, a part of one another because we are intended to be a body or a, or a building of living, um, living bricks. Um, but instead, we have this growing sense of identity that is about being identified with a group of people. That's exactly right. Identity politics are killing us. And this parallels precisely what the Bolsheviks, the revolutionary communists, did in Russia. When they came to power, they said that good and evil is not determined by what an individual says or does, but rather good and evil inheres in groups by virtue of your class status. So I quote in the book something that uh, one of the heads of the secret police in 1918 in post-revolutionary Russia Something he said to his agents who were about to go into the field to carry out Lenin's Red Terror, a campaign of massacre and, and mass imprisonment of any, uh, any opponent of the Bolshevik regime. He said to his agents, don't look at individual people and ask what they've done. Rather, look at their social class and punish the people who are part of the bad social class. That, he said, is the essence of Red Terror. Well, fast forward to where, what we have today where you have ideologies now that pick people out as good or evil on the basis of their race or of their gender identity or even of their politics. And this is what I, where I think that we have a problem also on the right. I'm a conservative, but uh, we feel the same way about people. We, we see people who don't share our politics and suddenly they have horns on their head and they see us the same way too. We are setting ourselves up for something very bad, Carmen. All right, uh, Rod Dreer and I are going to continue this conversation in just a moment, and I am about to tell you the thing you have been waiting to hear. I know that you're listening right now, and you are saying, I am waiting for her to say that she has copies of this book. Um, yes, she does. So you know the drill. Text the word book to 877-933-2484. I, I'll tell you, I, have, I rarely, rarely read a book cover to cover 
and then go back and underline and highlight and write stuff in the margins and go listen to conversations that the author has had with other people. Um, in preparation for this conversation with Rod Dreher, I've done all of that, and I'm actually um, planning planning to host my own little home group after this. I, uh, I've i made my list of people that I want to invite. We're going to talk about seeing, judging, and acting, see, judge, act. We're going to talk about that formula. We're going to talk about um, uh, developing a resistance community or a resistance cell in your own home and in your own community. The book is Live Not By Lies. If you're interested in entering the drawing for the copies I have to give away, text the word book to 877-933-2484. Rod Dreher and I will be right back. Continuing my conversation with author Rod Dreher, you should follow his blog at The American Conservative. You should follow him on Twitter at Rod Dreher. You can um, download for free uh, the study guide for Live Not By Lies, um, and you can get it at both of those places by contacting him on Twitter or by going to the American Conservative, um, and it's it's right there as well, uh, the Live Not By Lies study guide. Um, and you can text the word book to 877-933-2484 right now and enter the drawing for the copies that I have to give away here in studio. Um, let me just go ahead and say, Rod, the text line is um, is blowing up. I have... I have tilled the soil of my audience's heart for your book um, because these are conversations we have all the time. I I am frequently pointing out the um, the delusion that we are being asked to participate in in the culture. I frequently point out the dangers and the realities of a growing surveillance state. Um, we talk about quote unquote smart devices and we talk about social media and all the things that people uh, just voluntarily put out there that um, that puts them at risk. So those are a couple of conversations I want to have with you now as we continue sort of um, explaining the situation. And then I absolutely want to get to the conversation about what you want to have people do. So um, to talk about the surveillance state, maybe in doing this, tell them the story about the book lined room with the scarred walls. Right. Yeah, I. I think that one reason people can't see this, Americans can't see what's happening, is because our idea of totalitarianism was formed by the Cold War, by Stalinism, by George Orwell's 1984, where the state uh, in made people conform by inflicting pain and terror on them. That's not what's happening here. What's happening here is something much smoother and much softer, but it is no less totalitarian. And the main way it's going to take hold, I'm convinced, is through social media and through the internet, like the Chinese social credit system, where you have to have a rating on based on your social media use and your internet use, a rating that allows you to participate in the economy. It's really Mark of the Beast type stuff, and I'm not kidding. I, I was in Prague uh, in the Czech Republic at the home of a family, the Benda family, who were the only Christians in the inner circle of Václav Havel, the leader of the opposition of the dissident uh, movement. And uh, the mother, Camilla Bendova, she's a grandmother now, and she said to me, I don't understand why so many people today are so willing to give their information over to make it public uh, through their smartphones and, and internet use. She said, if you've lived through what we lived through under communism, you would know that there is no such thing as an innocent uh, collecting of that information. And she pointed to her wall, Carmen, uh, where there were scars up the wall 
in the paint where she and her husband, her late husband, had pulled the wires out of the wall after the fall of communism. They pulled the wires that the secret police had put in there to spy on their family. She said to me, this is happening right now over the uh, over smartphones and over the Internet, and nobody cares about it. Right. And we've invited it into our homes through um, devices that, you know, that we speak to and we say, you know, Alexa, order my groceries or um, refrigerator. Look and see what I need to put on my grocery list and then, you know, call Kroger and have it set up my quick list. Like, right. All of the ways in which we um, invite it into our homes through um, through through devices. Uh, It's just it is extraordinary. The smartphone is not very smart. It actually just demonstrates how dumb we are. Yeah, well said. And uh, this is how, as I said earlier, in China, they collect data all the time and they use it to to give everybody a rating. Right here in America, our major corporations collect this data right now completely legally. You know, this is nothing being done secretly. They're doing it right out in the open. And we don't care because we think that we're innocent. We haven't done anything wrong. Well, as Camilla Bendova told me, it doesn't matter whether you're innocent. If they want to blame you for something and prosecute you for something, they'll take the information you've given them and they'll come up with a reason. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you, um, the second half of the book sets out, uh, you know, this model, this hope um, of how we might come together and build resistance cells like the Christians did in Slovakia in the 1940s. Tell us um, a little bit about what it looked like then and what do you envision for us today? Yeah, this is a fantastic story. I didn't even know about this man until I went over there to interview Christians who had resisted. I dedicate the book to a man named Father Tomislav Kolakovic. He uh, was a Croatian priest who was doing anti-Nazi work in Zagreb, Croatia, in the 1940s, 1943. He found out that the Gestapo was coming for him, so he sneaked out of the country to Slovakia, his mother's homeland, and began teaching at a Catholic university there. When he got there in 43, he told his students, he said, the good news is the Germans are going to lose this war, but the bad news is the Soviets are going to be ruling this country when it's over, and the first thing they're going to do is come after the church. We have to get ready. So what he did was form small cells for prayer and study, and uh, one of the things they would do, these students who would come together— is uh, after they prayed, they would try to analyze what was happening in the culture around them uh, based on what they knew to be true from their faith. And what they, after they would analyze it, they would see the, the, the uh, formula was called see, judge, act. They would see, in other words, gather information about what was happening. They would judge, that is to discern it in conversation. And then they would decide what they were going to do in light of what they've decided. These cells spread all across the country of Slovakia. Every town of any size had one. The bishops, the Catholic bishops of that country, told him he was being alarmist. But Father Kolakovich had studied the communist mindset because he was preparing for missionary work in the Soviet Union. So sure enough, Carmen, when the Iron Curtain fell over Czechoslovakia, they kicked him out. And the first thing the government did was persecute the church, was like arrest priests, shut down churches and so forth. Father Kolakovich's underground network became the backbone of the underground church and the only significant resistance to communism for the next 40 years. I dedicate the book to him because I believe that we are in a Kolakovich moment here in America now, and we Christians have got to use the liberty that we still have to prepare ourselves and our churches and build networks of resistance for the persecution I believe is going to come. 
Rod Dreer is the author. You should follow him on Twitter at Rod Dreer. You should um, follow his blog at the American Conservative. The book is Live Not by Lies. You can download the study guide um, at the American Conservative or by contacting Rod. Um, You can also enter for the drawing of the copies we have available here in studio by texting the word book to 877-933-2484. Um, Rod, uh, I read headlines just today. Microsoft has patented software uh, to watch its employees as they work. Facebook is ranking hate speech, prioritizing speech against uh, particular groups and deprioritizing hate speech against other groups. Um, We have the ongoing pronoun um, pervasive proliferation of like preferred pronoun in higher ed and corporations. We got controversies about whether or not um, you know, if you say that on my NFL cleats, I, I want to choose a Christian phrase instead of uh, advocacy for LGBTQs, um, then, you know, you, you're going to be canceled. Um, and in Minneapolis, we've got a neighborhood under, under duress because some people think that putting up Christmas lights, putting up Christmas lights is systematic, uh, systemic violence against their neighbors who don't celebrate Christmas. Um, I, just on and on and on and on and on. I was amazed. Um, in reading your book and in reading the headlines in the other hand, um, how timely this is, how much Christians need to be prepared, and how well you do in laying out exactly um, how how we should do that. So, Rod Dreher, thank you so much for joining us today on Mornings with Carmen. What a delight. Again, if you want to enter uh, to, to receive one of the copies we have in studio, text the word book to 877-933-2484. Oh, 30 seconds, not three seconds. 30 seconds. Rod, I can say thank you, (laughs) and we can say Merry Christmas to one another. Yeah, and Merry Christmas to you. And I'm afraid that this is a conversation, uh, Carmen, that we're going to be having a lot over the next few years. So I'm glad to be in the trenches with you, my friend. You are welcome anytime. Have a great day, friends, and God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.